Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. This week on the podcast, we sit down with Megan Accardo of the Power Your Purpose podcast. Megan discusses how having her dream job planning events for one of the world's largest talent agencies actually led her body to a major shutdown. Years of a certain lifestyle led not only to burnout, but to a host of conditions like severe bloating, constipation, candida, SIBO, hypertension, leaky gut, and infertility. Megan shares her courageous journey of leaving the high-stress agency world where she survived on caffeine and sugar and how she slowly began a process of healing and tapping into her own greater potential. Megan has since launched a coaching business for women where she uses her background in high-end celebrity event planning to bring together women in a meaningful way for greater impact. Her goal is to help people tap into their greatest potential so that they can have the careers and lives that reflect their personal best. You can also catch us on Megan's podcast, Power Your Purpose, so check it out. exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We're excited to chat with you. Um, To start off, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey over the course of your, uh, specifically with your career, um, and and how that maybe affected your your wellness or how you would define wellness in, um, in the trajectory of your career over time? Such a big question. I know. So, I know. Um, okay. So I think 
I was always driven by stress. I'll just say that first right off the top. Um, I worked as an events professional. And so a lot of times those types of jobs are characterized by stress, but I like thrived on it. And so it was um, a lot of years of just building up my career, working really, really hard and doing a really great job for myself and for the companies that I worked for. And I think over time, uh, so I did it for about a decade and worked for a bunch of different companies. I ran business conferences at UCLA Anderson School of Management. I worked at two talent agencies. So I worked at uh, United Talent Agency running events for them. And then also at Creative Artists Agency running all of their events. And so it was super fun, really, really fun. Um, but I think over time, you know, all of that stuff adds up and can take a toll on your body. And I didn't know how to do the best self-care. I thought I did at the time. Um, but I just didn't have like the best practices in place. And it just got to a point where I had to take some drastic measures over the last year. And so just completely shifting my focus away from working, working, working to actually taking care of myself. And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that there's seasons of life that you go through where you work really hard. Like a lot of times in your 30, in your 20s and 30s, you're working really hard. And then it comes to a point where you're like, okay, I have to take care of myself. And so making that hard decision to say, okay, now's the time I'm going to put my health first. Was there a specific catalyst, right? Like too, because I think a lot of people listening, including ourselves, can relate to that type of stress, especially in a work environment or maybe not feeling like, oh, I'm working really hard and I'm making money, right? And it's it's important. That's an important part of life. But like my soul is being sucked, right? So for you, was there like something that you were like, this is what I have to do to make the change now? Or was it just the culmination of years of that feeling? It was the culmination for sure. And I realized that I had gotten burned out from a specific work project, but I think it was building up. And then after the work project, I thought, oh, well, I'll just go back to my regular work schedule. Everything will go back to being normal. And it didn't. And I didn't understand at the time that I hadn't rested and recovered enough. I hadn't hit that reset button. And so then it really just started building on top of it. And it wasn't until I heard Ariana Huffington, she came and spoke at our corporate retreat and she basically was like, it's so cumulative and she had collapsed after running Huffington Post and then she started Thrive Global because she wanted to help other people and it just kind of clicked for me of like, okay, like I will collapse and what was happening for me was I was... Uh, not digesting food. So I couldn't eat. So literally got to a point where I was like not able to eat. And my doctor was basically like, you got to do something drastic or cause you're not getting nutrients. You're not like able to do something so basic and essential to human existence. And so that's when I had to really take the drastic measures. That's interesting. You know, we think that there needs to be some sort of like overt stress on the on the body for it to really take a toll or for some, you know, a health issue to arise. But I think it's important to bring to light, which is what you're doing. The fact that cumulative stress and, and the environment, the work environments and the work cultures that we sort of are accustomed to now in 2019 
create um, a lot of sort of low grade, but chronic and consistent stress. And our body has no way of determining if that's like an actual threat or maybe it's like an emotional thing, but like the physical response is still going to be the same. And it, it can, um, have some serious health effects on people. And that's part of the reason, you know, we talk about like eating right and exercising and doing all these self-care things. But if we don't take into account or really become aware that stress is such a massive part of our physical experience too, then like, I feel like we're missing a whole piece of the pie, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, uh, I think the best way it was ever explained to me too is like your body because right like evolution takes a really long time and as human beings we've evolved so quickly but our body is like don't understand the difference right between that stressful email or that stressful experience you're going through versus like you're actually being chased by a tiger like if you were being chased by a tiger your body is responding in the same way to that chronic stress because of email or relationships or x y and z and I think when I first learned that I was like well this is so crappy because what like it can feel so out of our control, right? Like back to the career. It's like, well, I can't quit my job or I'm not going to be able to pay my rent or well, um, it's not my fault. My mom got sick or whatever it may be, right? Like there's stressors in our life that we can't control. So um, I know we've talked about this on other episodes, but I think right now you work and you help people kind of create in these different types of communities around their career or feeling more empowered in these situations. So how do you do that? And how do you help people kind of work through these situations, especially in their career where they're like, well, I can't do anything about this because I just like, I quitting isn't an option for me. Transitioning isn't an option for me right now. Yeah, for sure. When the doctor first told me to quit, I laughed in his face and it took me a year to listen. But, you know, we don't feel like there's options, but I think we have to look outside of what we think we should do or what's expected of us and, and really know that there's a world of possibilities out there. So I think for me and working with people, it's, it's really just tapping into, is this your passion and purpose in life? Or are you just doing it because you think you should, or for the money, because no amount of money at some point can make certain things worthwhile. And it comes to a point where you just have to say that, you know, that doesn't make you happy and that you can find so many alternative ways to make money. And if you tap into your passion and your purpose, then the money will come later, I think. Can you tell us a little bit now that you've left this kind of corporate world, what is your passion? Can you articulate that for us? And then also, what was the process of tapping into finding that, like that this is my new purpose? Yeah. So I'll start with tapping into it. So about a year ago, I just started taking time for myself. And what that looked like is I would basically get up an hour or two early, like sometimes at five in the morning, cause I was going in pretty early, but waking up early and just sitting with myself and like tapping into what it is that I'm good at, what are my gifts, what are my experiences, what can I offer to other people? And 
I was, I realized I was shutting off parts of myself. And so I was doing this job and I was doing it well, but there were so many elements of myself and my experience that I, that were just kind of on the shelf, not being used. And one of those was that I got my master's in marital and family therapy and I ran my own therapy practice and I used to run groups for women and empower women. And that was a huge thing that I had just kind of put in the background. And so I just kind of in essence, like pulled it off the shelf and started saying like, what do I have to offer from all of that experience and all of that training and all of that knowledge and all of that school? Uh, and so I started, um, reaching out to people and posting on social media and just sharing more of my story. And that's how I tapped into my own purpose. And so at the end of the day, I decided that I could take my event experience and my therapeutic experience and combine it into this sort of platform to empower women, which is why I started Power Your Purpose. It started as a podcast. It started with just having my friends over and interviewing them because I felt like I had really cool friends who were doing cool things in the world and just sharing stories. And so that's how it started. Um, And when I quit, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to stay in the event space, but moving from sort of behind the scenes logistics to planning more content for events and really workshops and business retreats and going to conferences and tapping into like the conference circuit and just providing resources and tools for women to live better lives and have more meaningful careers and tap into those communities. Cause I think for me, I was just working uh, at the corporate job and kind of isolated and I wasn't utilizing the power of my community. And it was ironic because I was working at a company that had unlimited resources and I wasn't really tapping into that. And so really learning how to do that and then teaching other people is kind of where the passion led to. I love that you've been able to, you know, I'm going to backtrack and say, as, as time goes on or as life goes on, we realize that things aren't always linear, right? Like the steps that we maybe that take us to a certain place are not always linear, but like looking back, it's like now you're drawing on all the things that have sort of combined to give you a unique set of skills. And I think that's pretty inspirational because I think oftentimes people think, well, I either need to choose this, 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 or this. And you're like, wait, this is this is the culmination of years of schooling, of years of experience in multiple areas, right? And then of years of event planning and all the all the skill sets that you've sort of like put into your basket. And now you have a basket and you've been able to create something with all the things that exist in your basket. And I think that's an exciting and I'm sure scary, like it's not, as Erica was saying, like some people are like, I don't have the option to quit. So if someone came to you and was saying like, this is what I used to do. This is what I do now. I don't really want to do any of it, but like I have these skills in this area, this area, this area. Is there a process that you use to sort of get the creative juices flowing for someone to brainstorm or think outside the box of this is my option this is the only thing. Like, how do you get beyond that fear or whatever those sort of mental blocks can, can be for people? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is if someone's trying to figure out their passion, I would say like, look at what you loved as a child. I think that question is really good to look at because 
that's very organic, what we liked as a child. Um, and also what makes you really happy and really angry. So look at kind of those extremes um, to sort of see. I mean, when I heard Ryan Seacrest would listen to the radio as a child and pretend to be a DJ, it makes all the sense in the world, right? And so often I think we just think that's normal as a child. Whatever we do as a child, we're like, yeah, that's normal. But it's so specific for each person. And so looking at those types of questions and then really just putting together a plan of how you can start your side hustle with whatever that passion is and looking at other mentors in the industry who are doing that. Like for me, I would listen to podcasts on online marketing, like Amy Porterfield's one of my hugest mentors who has no idea who I am, but I like listen to her religiously and she's making millions and millions of dollars selling these online courses. And so for me, my big aha moment was actually, I, I was talking to my mom when I was down visiting in San Diego and I was like, yeah, I want to do these workshops. And she's like, why don't you do online courses? And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I looked to Amy Porterfield. She's going to make $10 million this year. And I'm like, okay, this is possible. How is she doing this? And so that was one of my like business ideas. So to answer your question, I think it's really finding people who are doing what you're doing and looking at how they paved the way. And if no one's doing what you want to do, you have to pave your own way and that more power to you. But really looking on um, the building blocks that have been set before you and then doing it your own way, authentic to yourself is important. You don't want to copy anyone's work, but really just understanding the intersection of, you know, what are the things like what are the options for you? I like to have people create possibilities lists where you just, there's no judgment. You just write down like 20 ideas of what you can do and they could be the worst ideas in the world, but sometimes you have to get through those bad ideas with no judgment to like get to the, the gold. And so just really brainstorming and figuring out a plan from there. I'm all about a plan and putting together strategies and processes to get people there. Um, but first you do have to be clear on your, on your dream and to, to get people clear on their dreams. I like to say, visualize yourself in 10 years and really, really get like a clear, uh, vision of what that looks like. Like, where do you live? What does your house look like? What clothes do you wear? Who, who, you know, what do you eat? Like all of these things. And, and then you can get a sense for what your biggest dreams and goals should be to get you to where you want to be. Because I think so often we, again, we're on like a different path than we really want. And so when we visualize ourselves in, in 10 years, like, do we really want to be at this corporate job that we've been at forever? Like, I don't know, like, but, but why are we working so hard if that's not our 10 year vision of ourselves? So. Yeah, no, I, I resonate so much with that. And I think getting clear is, you know, it, and I think that's why working with somebody too is so important or having like, again, some sort of community, because this is really hard stuff to do on your own, especially when you've been living and conditioning yourself in a certain way for so long, right? Because it can be like, well, what is that first step? And, and, and I think even for myself, you know, um, I have a great Buddhist community. I have, um, I, I journal, I go to therapy, right? Like even just small things like that leading to doing, you know, I feel like I'm 
living like my passion and my dream, you know, the year I turned 29 and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. And, um, but it took, you know, the year before even Allie and I started this podcast and, and going back to school for nutrition and combining, right. Similar to you, like all these things that had always been in my heart, but that I just was like, oh, but I work in entertainment. This is, this is the career I've paved for nine years, you know, longer. Um, you know, it really took a lot of like journaling, a lot of relying on my community in order to get clear because I knew I wasn't living the most passioned life, but I think having some sort of support is really important because it just makes the process more fun and it makes it go faster. (laughs) Um, I have a question for you. It's interesting. This actually came up. I was having a conversation early this morning. (laughs) I couldn't sleep. It was 5 a.m. And I was, I have a couple friends who are traveling right now. So like in different time zones and we're, we were messaging each other. And I sent an article that was just um, released in the New York Times about people who are taking sabbaticals from their jobs, their corporate jobs um, in their early 30s. And that's my friend community. We're women in our early 30s. And um, who are, there's now a national parks program. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but basically for like a very, very, very small amount of money, you can go and they'll provide, you can do projects for the national parks and like be in nature and you get a full pass to all the parks for a year and you can work on specific projects based on skill sets that you may bring from your background and some of the, some of your meals are included. And like, it's just sort of this sabbatical that people are seeking out, especially in this age range who've probably been in like, you know, corporate America for 10, 10 plus years at this point. And, um, I just found that was really interesting. And I have a friend who quit her job last week. So she's like, two more weeks or whatever it might be and is planning on taking some time in Europe. And this other friend has a really intense sort of corporate job and she's traveling in South America at the moment just for a couple of weeks. But there's this, that's why I sent it to this group of women because like there's this cultural thing that's happening right now, I think too. And the, the girls on the chain were saying, has it always been like this? Like one of my friends says, I don't know how people used to just work in the same job for 40 years. Has it always been that way? And I said, well, I think the difference is the, there was not the hyper-connectivity that there is now. So um, anyway, this community of people that are now really ex- experiencing this burnout pretty early on, um, I feel like they're going to be coming all to you. <laughs> you know, like I feel like actually in a way they're, they're perfect proof that what, what you're talking about is real and it permeates more than just like some individuals. It's, I think it's happening now like on a cultural level. So would you just like speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think for sure it's the connectivity. It's the nonstop working. I mean, this is, we've never experienced that before where we're connected to email, we're connected to phone, our phones all day, every day, even when we sleep, you know, like I, it, it was really bad for a while when my husband had to do an intervention on me. Like he's like, you are working too much. Like you're waking up at 3am every night doing emails And it will lead to burnout. And I think we really need to put into practice self-care. I think companies are doing a little better now of 
promoting that and providing resources and really um, offering benefits that promote that self-care a little more. But but yes, like, yeah, even in your early 30s, like burning out after only working, what, like a decade or so? I mean, um, it's a sign that we have to make really big changes. Um, I know for me, even working in a windowless office, like that was part of my thing when I went in and talked to my boss at the end. Like I was like, I just, I can't work in a windowless office. Like I have to see daylight, like something as simple as that, where, you know, maybe people don't care, but for me, I cared at the end of the day of that, about that. Um, so, you know, we have to get used to, if you have, you know, if you have to be connected into the long hours of the night, then you have to be able to take breaks during the day. We have to get more into flex schedules, um, being able to turn off our phones, setting those expectations. I know I talk to my husband a lot about like, does your boss really need you to answer this email right now at 830 or could it wait till 830 tomorrow morning? Like, could it wait 12 hours or is it imperative? Because if you are answering those emails, then you're setting yourself up to not have those boundaries. So really setting those expectations early on when you come into companies to say, I turn my phone off. And if there's a big event or some big project, that's fine. And again, if there's seasons where you're working all hours of the night, fine, but we can't do that 24 seven. And I know entertainment has always offered those two weeks off over the holiday break in December. And I think people would go insane without it. Like I really do think like, it's not enough, but it's a start. Um, so yeah, you know that like I have family in France and they have, and they're educators like, so they are in school times, but still they have like four months of holiday every year. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I was on a TV show and even those two weeks we had off, it was like a entertainment news show. So we all had to be on call um, in case like someone died or like got like an emergency marriage. Like if some celebrity did something, we all had to be, um, I was in wardrobe too. So we would have to dress the on-air talent. Um, it was, it was, a uh, see, so there was no break. There was no break and definitely no boundaries. And, and it was, uh, I, you know, I loved it and I made some of my greatest friends through, um, that job, but yeah, boundaries. When you say boundaries, it didn't exist. And even, you know, hearing Ali to you talk about like your friends who are having burnout after like 10 years of straight work I was like but it's not just 10 years of work it's like we were in school for 18 years and then we immediately most of us went to four years of intense college and then where we interned and did like 80 things and then immediately went to work so it's I think that's also different like I feel like in our parents generation it was so much easier to get into college so you didn't have to work as crazy you know in high school and do like 80 million extracurriculars like 80 million activities just to get into the school of your choice and so I feel like we've been creating a generation of burnout since we were all in like middle school which is just wild to me but I was like I worked so hard in high school and I worked so hard in college and so of course when I was like I, I started feeling it when I was like 25 where I was like what that's when I started to really feel it and it's just crazy because that's so young. Like we shouldn't be feeling that. And and I think so many of my friends friends do. So when when someone comes to work with you, maybe 
how do you, I, what is the process or the timeline? Like if someone's like, I'm just so miserable and unhappy, when do they start seeing some sort of change? Is it pretty immediately when you start shifting that mindset and working on like, what can someone expect in terms of time? Because I feel like that's so hard, too. I think especially with millennials, we're all like, we want to see it quickly and now. And how long is it going to take for me to feel better? Um, so I don't know if you can speak to that. But, you know, when even for you, when you made this mindset shift, like how quickly did you start being like, oh, I'm sleeping better. I'm not as burnt out anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, it you have to do the work. So it does take time. But the good thing about shifting beliefs and shifting mindsets is that actually can be immediate. So the answer, I think, is yes and no. It's, it's yes, it can be immediate in the sense of like you can wake up tomorrow and decide that you're going to believe different things. And it takes like good habits to make that a long-term situation for yourself, but you can start having a better outlook immediately and you can decide to, um, to change your mindset and become more positive about what's possible and see the possibilities immediately. But then it takes work to actually put the strategies in place to get to a better place for yourself. So it does take the work. And, and for me, I mean, it took about a year to like, get there. Um, you know, you feel lost for a while. You compare yourself to people who've been doing certain things for 10 years and you just kind of get, you can get discouraged. It's obviously a really saturated, like just it's loud. It's a loud, distracting world out there. And I think you have to be able to turn off things that don't make you feel good. And whether that's TV shows or, social media or friends, like you have to say no to things that aren't going to move the needle for your life and aren't going to bring you joy. And if you're just hanging out with people because you've hung out with them forever and ever and ever, but they're really toxic, then you, you have to make those hard decisions to say no and surround yourself with as much positivity as possible. When you left your job, you made that decision. What what was that experience like Like right after you left? You said it was like hard for a little while, right? Or you're, you're sort of like, do you know what to do with yourself? What is the first step? Do you say like, hey, I'm doing this and I'm just going to do some focus on some self-care for a while? Like what, what, what did it actually look like for you? And then when did you start making a plan for yourself? So for me, I actually went out on a wellness leave. So... I had to, my doctor was like, you, I, again, like I wasn't, um, digesting food and, and I was actually falling into these comas at night, like these like mini comas where my husband was like, I couldn't wake you up. This is scary, scary. And it just was, I, I was eating all the wrong things and like just surviving on caffeine. And, um, so for me, I had to go on a leave and, Right when I went out on leave, like three days in, I got shingles, which I had for two months, which is a stress-induced thing. And so I was like, okay, my body's trying to tell me something. It's trying to work some shit out. And so I just kind of realized that it was going to take longer than I thought. And so I just had to kind of ride the wave. And when I first 
was like when I first went out on leave, I was like, I'm going to be productive and I don't even know what I was going to do. But my doctor's like, no, like you need to tear up all of that. Like I'm so type A, like you're going to do nothing. And so I baked a lot of muffins and cookies and I did jigsaw puzzles and I went for walks around the block and like literally did nothing for three months. And I needed that time. Like I just, I, I, like physically couldn't do anything. So like that was what my leave was about. And then I made the hard decision at the end of it to say, um, you know, I'm not where I, I, I wasn't as like healed as I wanted to be. So it was discouraging in a way. Cause I was like, wow, three months is a long time. Um, but also it wasn't long enough. And I realized I had to be patient with myself. And so I, um, I made the hard decision to, to meet with my boss and have a hard conversation and, and not go back. And so it wasn't until I was out of it that I realized how stressed my body had been because I was just surviving. And then when I had taken that breath of fresh air and realized how bad it was for me personally, um, I just realized I had more healing to do. I had a bunch of gut health issues that, and I know you guys um, know all about that, but, um, they weren't healing. Yeah. So I was like really, really discouraged for a long time. Um, but then it did like they did. And then I was able to, to sort of move on to building my business. Yeah. I think that's incredible. I think, right. Like again, back to that stress and the toll that it really does take on our whole body and, and even three months wasn't enough, but maybe your body knew you were like, but I'm going back. Right. Like, like somewhere in your body could have like had that like signal of like, but we're, we're going back. So like you said, when you finally were like, no, I, I have to leave real healing began. And I always think we did an episode, um, in January, 2018, 19. It was this year, right? With, um, yeah, we weren't around in January, 2018, but, um, in January, 2019, we did an episode with, uh, nutritionist Robert Yang and he really focuses on the gut and lots of things, but we talked a little bit about stress. And I always think about what he said about, you know, back to even the beginning when we're talking about, well, it's not fair. Like I can't control this job or I can't control, my mom getting sick or this trauma that's happened to me. Right. But he really talked about like, we all have a threshold, right? We all have these buckets. He used a bucket analogy and we all have these buckets and they can only be filled to a certain point before they start overflowing. So the best thing any of us can do is to take care of ourselves, right? Like self-care before we, the bucket overflows, because then if you're already taking care of yourself, you're going to keep that bucket. Maybe it'll get to the tippy top when the trauma or the stressor happens, but it's not going to overflow. And I think about that all the time because even, you know, Ali and I driving over here, we're like, we're not taking care of ourselves right now. What's going on with like X, Y, and Z? And it can be so easy the busier you get where the first thing that goes on the back burner is your own. I think especially as women, right? Like your work to empower women. We're so nurturing. We're so caring. We want to take care of everybody else, but we have to take care of ourselves. And so I think this leads me into asking you, you know, what self-care practices have you really developed that, you know, keep your bucket at bay? Um, and have they changed? Were they different when you first left? Like what were your self-care practices? Um, and what are they now? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to put it on the calendar. And I, 
think it's, you know, we just take it for granted that we don't put our self-care on the calendar. And then if something else comes up, we're so easy to be like, oh, you know, that's okay. I'll just move it around. And then it never happens. And so, you know, you treat it like an appointment with Oprah, right? Like you don't move it. You, you know, like whether, whatever self-care looks like for people, whether it's, um, time in the morning to read and journal and meditate or, um, you know, it's obviously working out or scheduling in meal prep, anything like that, that's going to be healthy for yourself. Like you just treat those as unmovable appointments and you give yourself that respect. I know for me, I, um, like would always skip my workouts if something else came up, if there was a deadline at work. And the thing is, is work will always be there. And so you have to make sure to keep your promises to yourself. Um, but, uh, for me now, I just, I have my morning routines, which does include reading and journaling and meditating. I try to get out to the beach, uh, three times a week. And I do like an easy jog. Like I, I try not to do exercise that really stresses my body, at least at this point. Um, but just trying to get in the sun, I usually go in the middle of the day. It's so glorious. Um, and then just making sure I am eating and taking all my supplements. I still have a million supplements that I'm taking to still balance hormones and all of those types of things. Um, but yeah, it's just really, you know, it's, it's selfish, but it's not selfish. Self-care isn't selfish, but it feels like that. And so you have to really think about it differently. You have to think about your body as the most important thing, because if you don't take care of it, then you aren't going to be able to do anything in life. You're not going to be able to have any success. And that's the thing with burnout and why I think companies should really help people with self-care is that they're not going to get the most out of their employees if they're burned out. And if they're just running on like empty, like I was, like I was still doing a job, but like I actually could have done more if I had taken care of myself. It's not the company's fault. It's my fault. Um, but just helping people understand that and, you know, putting it on the calendar. So to make sure it happens. That's probably really useful advice too, for any sort of entrepreneurs. I think that's something that Erica touched on that we're learning in the process of having a business and growing it is that especially when you have a wellness podcast, the idea of the fact that like you're the first thing to go is your self-care or your wellness practices. And we're like, we can't actually do that because then we're not in integrity with what we're talking about, right. And building a business on. And, um, but it's interesting how, you know, when you're working for someone else, you can have that nonstop grind. But when you're working for yourself, you can have the exact same. And there's no one, you know, there's no one there to like say like, oh, you know, doors closed for the night. Like it can be even if you don't set those boundaries that you're talking about, it can even be worse. Right. Because there's like no one else to say go home. Um, <laughs> in fact, you're working from home. So I think that it's like, I was going to say when Allie and I start texting each other at like 615 every morning and finish texting each other at like 10 PM, it's, you know, it's not that we love it. We're so passionate about what we do, but that's, those aren't good boundaries. Allie, we do not have good boundaries. <laughs> We're learning a lot from your episode. <laughs> I was like, this is good. You're coaching us. Um, you know, and there's something sort of like going back, but I'd love to touch on it before we wrap up is that, so you're background, as you mentioned, is uh, you're a licensed marriage and family therapist. 
right? Not licensed. Like, licensed. But you, you are. But I was on that path. Path. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you studied. I have the degree. You have the degree in it. Yeah. Okay. So coming from that background and having now made massive sort of life transitions in the last year for yourself, and you were talking a little bit about beliefs, like if you're working with someone that they have the opportunity to change their beliefs, um, as it comes up in the context of work and career, I think oftentimes, well, it actually applies to anything in life, but I think oftentimes like the boundaries are, let me put it this way, the limitations, the most limitations there are are the ones we set on ourselves. So how, you know, it's, it's easy, yes, to say that we're going to change our beliefs, but if you're actually working with someone to change their beliefs after 30, 40, 50 years of patterns of what what they've hold, held to be true about themselves. How do you, like, and I know this is probably a longer and deeper question, but if you could just touch on how um, those small changes can start to happen with someone if you're working with someone. Yeah, so I think limiting beliefs is the number one reason why we're held back in life. It is, you mentioned earlier, um, just a huge block. So I think the first thing is to really understand what yours are. I like to say we all have our own personal brand of not enough, right? Like not educated enough, skinny enough, pretty enough, whatever, right? Like, and so figuring out what yours is, because I think we have one that's dominant in our life, one to two, um, that is the script that we play over in our head over and over and over. And I like to think of it as like a screensaver on a a computer. Like it just kind of comes on in our mind when it's idle. And I think that's why people stay busy a lot is so that they don't have to listen to that or they can just kind of ignore it. And it's why there's so much insomnia too, because when you lay your head on the pillow, that's when your mind's blank, right? For the first time, if you're busy, 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 go, go, go. And then you're like now thinking all these thoughts in your head. And so to wake up a screensaver, what do you do? You move the mouse. And so I think it's this conscious look at like what these beliefs are and calling them out and writing them out and saying like, where, where did this come from? Because they're actually not facts. It's not a fact like the sky is blue or, you know, like we, you know, exist on food. Like the, these are opinions that were formed when we were very young based on our, how we grew up. And so really calling out that they're not it's not actual reality and then replacing it with the truth. So that's why I love like personal mantras and that type of thing, because once we start to recognize and hear that inner critic voice, we can start to say like, no, no, but this is what I know to be true. And having like written out those affirmations for yourself and knowing your triggers, like knowing when they come up and just replacing them with the truth is the easiest way to to combat those false beliefs. And it takes work to do it over time. Like I said, they're going to pop in, they're automatic, but, um, but to really help people identify what their, what their, theirs are. And then, um, what truth can they say when those pop up? I like that. Like just something that's a fact, not like opinion based. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, can, yeah. I, I really relate. And yeah, those limiting beliefs, right. And it is. It's. I think it's a lifelong process to battle them. It gets easier, but 
yeah, it's, it's really, at least for me, hope maybe it's not a lifelong process. Maybe I just have to keep doing the work, but yeah, it's, um, they're noisy and they're noisy, especially like you said, late at night, you know, early in the morning. And yeah. So again, I think that's why working with somebody having community is so important because it helps with the noise. Yeah. I think community, I was going to say earlier, I mean, you have to have like an objective opinion in your life, which is why therapy works so well. And of course I'm pro therapy because I was a therapist, but, um, but people are so, they have so many blind spots and it's not a bad thing. You know, there's a lot of work on unconscious bias and I've actually gone through this last year of just really exploring what unconscious biases I have. Um, but you know, we're just biased and that's just a fact. And so to have an objective person, whether it's a friend or someone you don't know or a colleague or you're in a mastermind or whatever it is. Um, but just to have someone mirror back what you're good at, what your gifts are, what you need to work on, like what you might need to, um, focus on like that. That's so essential. If you look at all the great leaders there, there were like, there's no one that doesn't have a army of people behind them. Like yeah. we can't do anything alone. So it's so, so important to have that community that strengthens you. Yeah. And I think especially in today, like, and what we deal with on a day-to-day basis, as far as what we see, you, you had mentioned this a little bit earlier, but we, you know, we have to deal with the world of living in social media, which is the highlight reel. And it's like, wow, this individual's life is so whatever, X, Y, Z, glamorous, you know, problemless, which is, doesn't exist. Like that human experience does not exist. And so to remind ourselves too, that like, it does take community. It does take connection to other people. And that that's, that's different than connecting through a screen. That's, I I think you're right. Like over the course of history, no one has had any sort of what, what anyone might define as success without a a community of people supporting that. So as we wrap up, we always ask all of our guests, um, is there a book, um, it doesn't have to be related to your work, but that has been particularly inspirational to you um, throughout this journey and throughout your process? Yeah, there's been so many books, but the one I'm reading now that I love is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Has anyone said that one before? No. Okay. So it's all about making small changes each and every day to get you the life that you want. And so I think so often we think some big change is going to come and make our lives better, but it's really about building the blocks of these healthy processes and strategies. And so it's like doing the small, tiny, tiny things each and every day that's going to make the difference over the long run. And that's going to get you the life that you love. And so I love that message and that book. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You're the, the first person who's mentioned that book. And if anybody is interested in finding you, working with you, um, you know, in any of the events that you do, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website's just meganacardo.com and um, I'm on Instagram at meganacardo. And then I am leading some workshops. And so they can find out about that on my website. I have a productivity workshop that I do. And also um, on my site, I have a like productivity um, uh, workbook 
that people can download if they want. And so that's at meganacardo.com forward slash productivity. Um, so yeah, so those are the types of ways that they can find me. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.